Tempest Productions presents A Ninth Day by Sarah Hitchcock. There isn't a ninth day of the week. Jeez, there aren't even eight. How many of those have you had? The little man in the faded green jacket surveys me through the bottom of his whiskey glass. He swallows the last drop and grins. Admittedly, nine days is rare he says, signalling the barman to refill our glasses. I'm all right, I say, covering my glass and reeling a bit with the effort of the motion. I've had a few pints already. Ah, go on with ya. His eyes twinkle, but there's a shrewdness behind them. Just the one. It's Friday after all. Even if it's only five o'clock, it's, it's still practically the weekend. I have a pint, and he has a large single malt. As I said, there's often eight days at least once or twice a month, depending on the alignment of the planets, but nine. It's never happened in my lifetime. It's got to be a cracker. You don't want to miss it. Planets? Oh, God, you're not some hippie astrologer. No, I don't think so. The man looks at me with his penetrating eye for a bit longer than is actually comfortable and seems to make his mind up about something. You know the days of the week are named for the planets, don't you? I nod. I don't want to seem ignorant. Well, they miss some out, as I said. Days belonging to Uranus and Neptune often come around, but a day of the ninth planet, rare as a gold filling in a hen's tooth. I rack my brains. Pluto, the ninth planet. Nah, you idiot. Every schoolboy knows that's not a proper planet. You only get a few extra hours for that fella. I'm talking about the big one. Beyond Neptune. Ten times bigger than Earth. Comes round once every 15,000 years. Even your scientist bods are talking about it. He sees the look on my face. Google it, he says and jabs his grubby finger at my smartphone on the bar. I do. He's right. OK, I say, signalling to the barman to get us another round. So how can there be an extra couple of days in the week? It would have been on the news. It's like a leap year or something, and more importantly, when is it? Will I be working an extra bloody day? Nah, most won't even notice it. You've already told me there's only seven days in the week. He laughs, and so do I. But I can't help thinking that he's deadly serious about this whole extra day thing. I'm kind of enjoying the conversation, so I'm going to go with it. Right. What happens on the ninth day? Anything you want. Everything you want. He winks at me. I wouldn't miss it for the world, and nor should you if you've an ounce of brain in the head of yours. You haven't said when it is, or, uh, or, or, or how I'll uh, notice it. It'll be between Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Between? Ah, oh, that's how you find it. Look in between. He downs his whiskey with relish, slaps me on the back, and it's gone. In between what? 
I shout at no one. Then order another pint. Millie's going to kill me anyway for coming home pissed, so I might as well make a good job of it. I reel out of the pub at closing, and when I get home, I get the expected earful. Luckily, I pass out before she can really get going. The next day, I sort of make it up with Millie, and by lunchtime, I'm heading for the park with our son Jacob. Him, screaming all the way as usual. I've left her to have a bath and light scented candles or whatever it is she does. More likely she's playing online bingo or jabbering to her sister about me getting pissed. I know. What a complete and utter bastard. He's always pissed. I push Jacob on the swings. Keeps him quiet. But all the time I'm thinking about the conversation with the little man. Christ. What I wouldn't give for a day out of it, if it's like he described. The rest of the weekend is shopping and beers in front of the telly and Sunday lunch at the in-laws, followed by beers in front of the telly. Monday, I'm back at work. I'm still thinking about that extra day. Where on earth do you start looking for something that's between things? What does that even mean? I can't keep my mind on the job, keep getting distracted by weird stuff. Joins in the carpet tiles, a crack in the ceiling. The gap in Janet from the postroom's teeth. Um, hello? I even become transfixed by my sandwich at lunch and wonder if I put the bread on either side of my head, would it count as being in between? On the way home, I think about the space between the train and the platform. The gap between speeding cars on the bypass. The empty moment between leaping from a roof and hitting the pavement below. I call in at the pub hoping to see the little man in the green jacket. He still doesn't show up after my third pint, so I go home. Millie ignores me when I get in, so I heat up a macaroni cheese ready meal. It's only when she throws a lighter at me that I realise she's trying to say something. What the hell's the matter with you? She says. Why are you staring into that piece of macaroni? Does the inside of a tube of pasta count as in between? What do you want about? Christ! How pissed are you? I suddenly feel really tired. I just want a day to myself to do whatever I want. Just one day. You're always doing whatever you want, you selfish bastard. She thumps off the light and goes to bed. I finish my macaroni in the dark. It's Tuesday already. Time is slipping away. I feel a sense of rising panic at the thought of missing the extra day. It'll never come round again, not for me. He said between Tuesday and Wednesday. Midnight. That has to be midnight. Right. I leave for work as normal, but never get there. I need to find the right place. The place in between. Or I'm going to miss the whole thing. Nothing else matters. There are lots of nowhere places in the city once you start looking. 
lost spaces where rubbish accumulates, dust spirals, sound is muted. Places that don't belong to anywhere, anyone. But none of them feel right. I start checking the pubs for the little man, and by five o'clock I'm drunk and desperate. I've been introduced to several short Irishmen, and one Welshman with sad, watery eyes and a tremor, but not the man I'm looking for. I reel out of the pub into the late afternoon sun. The next thing I know, I'm on a park bench. Maybe, if I could slip between the slats, I'd, I'd find an extra day. It's dark when I wake. The bench is digging into my back and I'm cold and stiff. I check my watch. 11.55. I'm going to miss it. I tear out of the park and down the street, my heart squeezing and ballooning. I notice an alley between the shops on the opposite side of the road and launch toward it. There's a squeal of brakes and an angry blare of a car horn. I plunge on into the dark gap. The building fronting the road and the one behind it have been constructed so close together that barely two feet separate them. This is it. I found somewhere at last that's not a place. Just a space in between. I squeeze in. It's a bit of a contortion to see my watch. 11.58. I've made it. I'm going to get my day when anything and everything can happen. The moments tick by and keep ticking. At twenty past twelve, I stumble out of the alley and try to get my bearings. Nothing has happened. And the disappointment is a crushing weight. What have I been expecting? What a bloody twat. Oh, it's funny, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hilarious. I'm not far from home. I don't know where else to go. Numbness envelops me, and the walk back is a series of fragments, images stained orange by streetlights, a cracked manhole cover, a rat on a bin, a rusting gate, my front door key in my hand. It doesn't work. I've been locked out. I suppose I should bang on the door, make a fuss, till the... till she lets me in, but I... I can't bring myself to do it. Curling up in the porch, I wait for sleep that doesn't come. Humans mark the flow of life with perfect divisions. But that's not how the world works. Hours, minutes, days are an imperfect construct. They don't fit with reality. As the world spins round the sun wobbling on its axis, the moment when one day tips into the next is ever-changing and rarely midnight. And how about a porch? It's neither in the house nor part of the outside. It's a liminal space, a place of transition. It's in between being out and being in.
A steady thud like the beat of dance music pulses up through the porch floor. Probably some wide boy in a gangster mobile making the neighbourhood vibrate. Selfish bastard. But there aren't any cars to be seen. A sliver of light catches my eye. It's bleeding from under the mat. I twitch it aside. It's a metal drain cover. I don't remember it being there before. Rosy light oozes from under it. My heart quickens. Blood thumping in my ears as I work my fingers into the rusting handle and pull open the cover. Metal rungs disappear into the clear light of dawn. A gust of air, scented with exotic musk, heavy with pheromones, escape from the depths. Brushes my face like a first kiss. Soft and full of promise. Music, earthy and wild, plucks at my sinews and drums on flesh as I descend into the glory of a sensual paradise an utter abandon. It is a day like no other has ever been, like no other will ever be. It is a blessing and a curse in equal measure. We sink in a sea of delight, sate every imaginable desire, and awake some I hadn't imagined I had. Float, roll, thunder, and shriek beyond the limits of pleasure to a state of perpetual quivering ecstasy. This day will forever be a, a bright vision, perfect, exquisite, horrific in its unattainable beauty. It seeds a longing that will have no fulfilment. It completes me only to tear away, leaving me spent and hollow. To be touched by such beauty can burn away a man's soul. Pain, sharp and bright in my cheekbone. I wake up, face down in gravel. Stale vomit sticks grit to my skin. I'm in a car park between tall buildings. The sky is grey, the grey light of a, of a different dawn. Everything will always be grey now. I head for the sound of traffic. It's the high street in my local patch, although I don't recognise half the shops. But to be fair, I don't really ever shop here. Millie and I go to the shopping centre down the road or up into town. Get an odd look from an old lady with a shopping trolley. The only person out at this hour. She gives me a wide berth. I catch a glimpse of myself in the window. Christ, what a state! I look haggard and my hair is plastered flat with filth. Clothes worn to rags and I, and I stink. I really stink. My God! My reflection grins like a wolf in memory of how I got to look and smell like this. I need a shower and a change of clothes. So I head home. My, my key doesn't work. She's changed the bloody lock. When did she have time? The extra day? What was? It was just that. Extra, said the penny drops. 
That's why I couldn't get in last night. What a cold-blooded cow. She sat opposite me at breakfast and said, Have a good day. And all along she knew she was going to change the lock and chuck me out. Rage chokes my throat and I hammer on the door. The effort is exhausting and I have to lean against the porch wall. Panting and clutching, the clawing pain in my chest. The door is opened by a young man. Oh, the bitch has moved a toy boy in already. I can only glare at him. I can see how I must look in his eyes. A stinking, filthy tramp. And then something shifts. There's a moment of recognition. Dad? He says. Dad? The Ninth Day was presented by Tempest Productions. It was written by Sarah Hitchcock and read by Mark Lingwood. And now a word from our sponsor, which is us, Tempest Productions. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to help us make more, then why not buy us a coffee via Kofi? That's ko-fi.com forward slash Tempest Productions. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Tempest Productions. Thank you so much for your support.